0: The Social Screenwriters Podcast The Social Screenwriters Podcast The Social Screenwriters Podcast Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet Hey there everybody Welcome to episode 6 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast we are just rolling right along. I can't believe I've done five. That's a milestone. Six really isn't. Six is kind of boring. But you know what's not boring? My guest today is someone that you guys probably all know and love. Um, she's got a pretty big following because her tweets are fire. That's so stupid to describe tweets as fire. Um, no but she has funny tweets I've always liked them Uh, today we have Edith D. Rodriguez let me check her handle really quick I am so unprepared to do these things like I'm literally going for my phone right now you would think that I would have planned ahead for this I, I knew what I was doing when I hit record okay at Edith D. Rod and her website is Edith the rodriguez.com and she is a writer director um recently repped at the end of 2021-ish at the mission and they're doing some big things over there with her um we'll talk about that in the episode but edith is super cool um obviously great writer a lot of good things happening for her right now and yeah uh, we get into everything. We get into who she is as a writer. Um, you know, her, her process is a little different because Edith is a mom and she's juggling mom life with, you know, having a family, she's married, she has a full-time job and she's killing it as a screenwriter and director. So she is really someone to kind of look forward to, uh, doing stuff because you can't stop the the grind those i feel like those who have like just that sick work ethic like she says in this episode of basically like i just do the screenwriting thing when i have time anytime i find a little time in my day because she's super busy and uh, i respect it so much um but yeah we 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 talk about that and we talk about you know her short film ashes which i've seen and it's incredible uh i'm a big big fan i i didn't know much about edith and then one day she posted her short film and i watched it and i was like holy shit edith is the real deal so she rules um and yeah that's that's really it um We'll go ahead and hop into the episode. I will remind you guys that um, if you want to donate to the show, you can. Thank you so much to people who have donated. You have no idea how happy that's made me and how much it's just like driven me to keep going with this stuff Um, because it's a pleasure to make these either way. But like, yeah, to be compensated for the time is cool. Um, So, yeah, thank you guys. If you've donated, Um, if you want to donate any amount is uh, appreciated Uh, However, little or big, but uh, you can do that at the link tree link in the bio of the social screenwriters, Instagram or Twitter, which you can find it at social writer pod. But yeah, if you guys like the episode, uh, you know, follow us like it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to subscribe, I guess. Um, Also, if you want to say something on Twitter or Instagram, shout us out, you know, go ahead and tag us, whatever. I'll Almost always respond. Uh, Yeah, guys, that's it. Let's get into this episode with Edith D. Rodriguez. Edith D. Rodriguez, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So I know Edith uh, the same way a lot of you probably know her. I think you are funny on Twitter. I liked your tweets. Uh, That was the first thing I was like, oh, she's pretty funny. And then you're a writer-director, right?
1: yes
0: yeah trying cool. to be I think right exactly <laughs> same here same here uh yeah I love having I mean I love having anyone on here but uh I love writer directors especially because I'm in the same boat and it is like you have to have a, 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 a even more psychosis than just trying to be a screenwriter sometimes because it's just so much more headaches um but that's not to discredit screenwriting because that's that's obviously difficult to but um, yeah, and then, you know, we followed each other for a while and uh, I thought you were cool. You seem cool on Twitter, you know, uh, just through text. But then uh, I saw your short film, Ashes, and I was really, really impressed by it. I thought it was super just like, I mean, not only beautifully shot, but well directed. And it's so hard to come up with a good short film concept. And once I saw that, I was like, holy shit, Edith, for real. Like, she is coming <laughs> for it, so... Uh, yeah I'm just psyched to have you here today.
1: Thank you. I always get a little scared when someone knows me from Twitter because I feel like that's the void I dump like my depression and anxiety into.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know well we're all like you know it's weird because I think like with you it comes off as authentic but also like you're fucking around too and that's how I am on Twitter. I mean it's like yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be Mr. Serious on there, <clears throat> but also everybody has a brand, you know, some people's brand is, uh, very straight to the point and they have, you know, uh, people, there's people out there for everybody. So, but yeah, I've always this kind of, true. uh, I've admired that with your Twitter too, that like you're obviously fucking around, but yeah, it is hilarious. Thank that,
1: you.
0: Yeah, of course. It's so, to
1: say, you know, the. Yeah, the scariest thing is when you do like a sarcastic tweet and get honest and earnest encouragement. Like, I'm there for you, buddy. Everything's going to be okay. I'm like, fuck, my joke didn't land.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Like I said, I was going to walk into traffic. I'm not serious. I'm just kidding because I'm stressed out. (laughs) But like, yeah, um, yeah, I actually have a tweet in the drafts from like a couple days ago and there's not no particular reason I didn't tweet it. But it was about like, no matter what you say on this website, someone will have an earnest reply, like trying to encourage you.
1: I love, um, I've learned that to read your tweets, I have to get to the end. I'm like, I'm not going to have a reaction because Andy's going to flip this around by the end of this tweet.
0: That's so funny because, um, I I mean, obviously because they're my tweets, I don't, you don't always realize how everyone's going to read your tweet you know, cause everyone uh, interprets it different, but I know that's how I am with Jace Serrano's tweets. I'm like, all right, what yeah. the, what's going on here? Let me get all the way to the end before I uh, make a judgment. But um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and hop into it. Edith, I wanna know, yeah. the people wanna know, uh, how'd you get into screenwriting?
1: It was a long winding and treacherous road. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm very jealous when I hear people say, you know, there's nothing else I can do or I always knew I wanted to be this thing um, because I was the perpetually undecided kid who had no idea what I wanted to do. I always loved writing, um, but I didn't know screenwriting was even, even a thing. So a lot of my writing early on was like short stories, poetry, love letters for my friends who didn't know what to write. So they would tell me their feelings, like all kinds <laughs> mm-hmm. of random stuff. Um, and then I moved to Dallas. I used to live in Wisconsin. Um, moved to Dallas and started getting involved with the Austin Film Festival. Driving down there, um, met some really cool people, and that's kind of how I got into that world um, and started writing. I co-wrote a short that eventually premiered at the festival, um, and then started writing features, eventually pilots. And so it's um, it's really interesting too because. Before I even knew what screenwriting was, I thought I wanted to be an actor. Um, even though I'm super introverted, I don't like people looking at me, and I don't like being told what to do. So all the great,
0: yeah, things yeah, to what be an makes actor. a great actor for sure?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I had all those qualities, um, and I took an acting class and realized in reading the the sides that they would give us that oh, there's another side to this, and I like this more. Um, Especially because I don't know if you've ever taken like a theater acting class, but they would give us these these scripts and uh, tell us to create different scenes with the same dialogue. And so I realized like, holy shit, like if you don't write exactly what you want to see and get it across, people can do whatever the fuck they want with your writing <laughs> yeah. um, and turn it into something entirely different. So yep. that kind of also sparked the director. Side of things, because I, I really like the idea of seeing a vision end-to-end. End.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, super cool you got started at Austin Film Festival, because that's like kind of one of the meccas of the whole, you know, screenwriting side of things. So what a like crash course to get into that. Um, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah I have done uh, I haven't done like like real theater, but I've done improv, which is like fake theater, <laughs> but um, still kind of theater. But yeah, I also kind of had the same thing of, um, I, I obviously like, you know, I like to try to make people laugh. That's like part of my it's part of my personality since I was a kid, it was a defense mechanism and now it's something that I'm like using in life. But uh, I kind of realized doing improv that like I would have fun, but I think my level of stage fright and, you know, things like that was just a little more severe than some of my peers. and uh it got to a point where i was like i like doing this for sure it's fun but um i don't think that performing is the thing that i should be 100 percent bought into and the writing directing side is like just calls to me or whatever you know corny thing i could say but um yeah i have a similar experience um with just being like maybe my personality type doesn't mesh with this as perfectly as other people um, because I have a lot of acting friends and actors are very specific types of people and I love oh, yeah. them for it and but I'm just like yeah I'm just a little more dead inside than you and I wish <laughs> I could be more happy like you
1: yeah I have a I have a deep admiration for for actors um and and improv <clears throat> especially I, t- I used when I lived in Wisconsin I took We used to do some work in chicago and so one weekend that i was staying there through the next week i took a midnight improv class at second city oh yeah it was fucking terrifying
0: i bet
1: yeah i left there and was like okay that is not for me um they're amazing i could never do that again (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's again, like AFF, you're jumping into the gauntlet like uh, here in St. Louis. We have the improv shop. St. Louis would shout out the improv shop. They're always amazing. Andy Slowey is the GM. Kevin McKernan is the owner. They've been so fucking cool to me with like, yeah, if you ever want to shoot something here, come up, use the space, whatever. So I have multiple times. Uh, Very cool people. But like we're kind of like a mid-sized theater you know there's the second cities and like used to be like io and chicago and like you know there's uh the the big dogs and we're kind of like a mid-tier theater i would say but um still a super cool place to come up but second city and the idea of doing in private places like that scares the shit out of me for sure
1: oh man yeah i i was young and didn't know better, but thankfully it was a class environment. So there was like no audience or anything like that. Um, Of
0: course. Yeah. So are you primarily a TV writer or a feature writer or both?
1: Um, Both. I, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't, um, we just moved to LA seven months ago. So when we were living in Dallas, um, I was primarily just writing features because I knew well, this is pre-COVID world, right? But I knew you had to be in LA to write TV. So I just thought, well, I won't write TV then. Because, so I'll just yeah. write features. Um, but I love TV. Like I, I'm not one of those people that doesn't watch TV. I'm always watching TV and feel like I'm getting to the bottom of my streaming list that I'm watching everything. Um, so once we made the decision to move, I started writing more pilots to have those samples ready. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's how I was too. Honestly, I would love to be a feature writer director, but I just wrote a pilot because I was like, I think I need to have a pilot, like at least one. But um yeah, that's uh uh I kind of I kind of got the gist that you did both. Um I always tell writers, yeah, it's good to why would you not at least try to do mm-hmm. both? Because you're only gonna be up for more jobs. That's you know? true. Uh, so and usually- it's fun. Exactly, yeah. So usually at this point, I would ask someone if they're repped, but I do know you're repped and you're repped at the mission. So what was I that am. experience like? Um, kind of w- whenever you were first like getting a meeting with them, were you taking other meetings? Um, What was like the script that got you in the door? Just how did that all kind of unfold for you?
1: Yeah, so I um I'm definitely the type of person who is like uh it's funny at work, they call them wait and see people. Um, so I would just write and then write another script and then write another script, um, Mm -hmm. and just hope, you know, that between contents and whatever else, uh, things would happen. And so I had a friend bully me into sending some queries. Um, and she sent me a list of places that she thought would be good for me to query. And I think she sent me like Maybe 10 or something. I, and I sent like three or four emails because I was so terrified. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll just do like a couple. Um, yeah. And the mission was at the top of that list. And so um, I queried them, um, I queried Andrew with uh, a sci fi script um, and a sci fi pilot. Um, and he responded and set a meeting. And then they asked, you know, the infamous question, what else do you have? And mm-hmm. so, I picked a couple more samples um, and we had a couple meetings um, and it was, I, I think I could tell this. Um, and so the, one of the first meetings, um, they told me they, the mission also does producing. So they produce, um, they do some producing with Lena Waith. and oh, so they, nice. the, the company kind of has like two arms to it. Mm-hmm. And so Andrew told me, you know, we haven't signed and we haven't signed someone in a long time. It's just something we haven't done in a long time. And so, I just thought, oh, this is the let you down meeting. Like yeah, we yeah. don't do this often, and you're not going to be the exception. Yeah, <laughs> um,
2: yeah.
1: And so, thankfully, they um, they they did sign me. And what I what I really loved, and I think you know, from talking to Andrew and Xinga, who are my my two managers, um, they didn't box me in. And so, part of why I hadn't queried and why I was so hesitant to put myself out there is. My samples are across all kinds of genres. Like I have a coming of age drama feature, a sci-fi pilot, a dramedy pilot. And everyone I'd talked to prior to then um, kind of had two roadblocks. One, like pick a lane, and then two, pick a lane of whether you're gonna be a director or a screenwriter because you can't get in as both. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah. And so, you know, I'd have meetings where like someone was really excited about one of my features. And then if I said I wanted to direct it, that excitement like plummeted. Right.
0: Um,
1: and so this was the first time that I felt that I was in sync with someone where they saw me the way that I wanted to, to be seen as a creator and not boxed in. And so it was, I'm super happy with them. It was such a great match. And so we've been busy, rewriting stuff and getting ready to go out there and pitch and do fun things so it's it's been an awesome experience um and as we all know like getting reps is the beginning but um it feels really good to be able to have somebody to call and ask questions and get feedback from so i'm enjoying this first part of the ride
0: absolutely that's amazing yeah um what a bummer to trying to figure out how to be a writer director because i'm kind of in the same boat right now with being newly repped of being like you know there's a feature i wrote that they're like yeah you know we'll try to do something with this one so they're trying to get the ball rolling and it's all super exciting some of the stuff that they're talking about however in the back of my mind i'm like i kind of want to direct this thing but i only have you know (laughs) Two shorts. I technically have three, but the first no one's allowed to see. Not even me. I don't watch it anymore. Um, I need to delete it, honestly, just delete it from existence. But uh, the, the next two are pretty I'm good with them. But I only have two samples, you know, as a director. And I mean, they were kind of made in St. Louis for very little money with an all film student crew, uh, all my peers, you know. So it's like I, I don't know if they would trust me but, um, uh, I'm going to yeah, try. It's
1: hard. Um, and what I did is I just kind of identified, um, what do I absolutely, what did I write that I just absolutely see as I have to direct this. And what yeah. did I write? What do I have in my list that I would be okay being like, Oh, this can, someone else can bring this to life. Cause I think that flex, that conversation was really important for us to have too. Of I don't have to direct everything I write, but this <laughs> one script, like is my baby kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning to is um, when the time comes, I, I kind of already have my explanation built into my head of like, this is why, <laughs> this is the 17 reasons why I need to be the one that directs this. But um, <laughs> that's cool. And how long have you been at the mission?
1: Um, I think it was maybe October or November of last year. So yeah. I signed right before the holidays. And so it was kind of nice because we took, as everyone knows, you know, the word is Hollywood shuts down for the holidays. And so that was a really good time for us to get to know each other in terms of feedback and rewriting and getting things ready to go out once we came back from that time. So for sure it worked out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I was right behind you mid December. So is this your first time being repped? Yeah. Same. Same. Awesome. Uh, That means me, you, and David L. Williams are all on a very similar trajectory right now. So that's super exciting.
1: I feel like a lot of the people that I met at Austin and through Twitter are in similar trajectories. I don't know if you feel the same way where, like, oh, a year ago, we were, you know, starting to polish these samples and now a lot of them are wrapped and seeing how everyone is kind of experiencing similar things. Um, And I think that goes back to, just making friends with your peers, because it's, it also is really helpful to see the ups and downs in those stages of everyone going through it together. And also just like, Hey, remember where we were a year ago? This is, you know, this is cool that we're all back in this next stage kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It's so exciting that like sense of community. Um, that's why I just encourage everyone out there. And I mean, screenwriting Twitter has no shortage of people embracing community. So It's really cool to see, but like, again, to go back to improv, that's kind of how it was for me. We had six levels of classes before you graduate Mm -hmm. and then you can be like on a house team or something like that. And, uh, it was, that was, that was pretty similar being like, dude, remember when we were in level one, like, look where we are now, we're about to play the main stage on a Saturday night and it's packed and, you know, just really cool. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited that, I mean, there's more than just us three, but, uh, kind of everybody just slowly making their way in because you're right i i I don't remember like fully where you were a year ago but i think it's probably where i was of just being like yeah i'm just trying to get these samples in a place where they might be good enough i don't know if that's mm-hmm. gonna happen i don't know if i'm still five years away from you know even getting the the first step but then it happened a year later so pretty cool yeah um awesome. yeah so how would you describe your brand edith
1: andy i hate this question <laughs> it's such a good question <laughs>
0: everyone hates this question that's why i like asking um, it i'm just sadistic yeah <laughs>
1: um you know i it's really hard because as i mentioned i write across multiple genres and so i uh-huh. think if i had to distill it down i really enjoy writing like dissonant stories where my characters are navigating this hostile conflicting environment that kind of goes against their character. And because I do enjoy, I view my writing as like character studies that are subverted by genre. So whether it's, you know, dramedy or sci-fi, I'm kind of using the genre elements of the story to not just give you this very indie character study, which is what I would write if nothing had to be commercial. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that that kind of dissonant storytelling, um, which is you know what I love about a lot of this, a lot of my favorite stories. When you think of like Parasite or films that you kind of can't pinpoint what they are, um, I feel like that's the space I want to create in.
0: Oh, nice. That's. I mean, that's usually. Those films that come out that everyone's like, that was interesting. That was like different. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's super dope. I'm kind of in a similar space of being like the samples I got in with are real indie character studies. And now I'm kind of having the conversations with my managers and stuff of like, yeah, so what's the commercial kind of thing that's still very you, you know, do what you do. That's mm-hmm. why we signed you. That's what we love about you. But like, how can we get that thing that just feels a little more commercial? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't fucking know, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that same boat right now. Uh, cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome though, that, uh, I think that'll probably help with a lot of any writers out there who don't stick to a single genre. That's kind of a good way to think of your brand is just, well, what do you do in a lot of your stories? What are your protagonists mm-hmm. usually experiencing, be it, you know, comedy, drama, sci-fi horror, um, really? Yeah doesn't matter but uh okay cool uh edith since everyone's routine is unique can you describe your regular writing routine to me like where do you write uh what do you listen to music do you listen to anything what what's it like when you sit down to write
1: um so here comes the disclaimer that i'm a mom with two kids i have an 11 year old and a 15 year old Mm-hmm. um, and a full-time job. So my routine, um, as much as I would love to be a morning pages person that has this very structured routine is yeah. write Whenever you can. Um, yeah. so I've learned, I took, um, uh, Shonda Rhymes' masterclass. And one of the things that she talks about in it, is being able to write anywhere, whether you're on a plane or a cafe or whatever. And she kind of like blasts music through her headphones and just writes. And I'm not a music person because I will listen to the lyrics and like start picturing, picturing the song. Same. Um, so there, there goes the story. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I can write with pretty much any amount of background noise between kids, dogs, life. Um, so it really depends. Um, I'm very lucky to be part of a writer's group where we write in cycles. So those deadlines keep me um kind of trying to I, I basically write with an end-of-week goal when I'm actively writing. Um and whether I reach that by writing 15 minutes one day and two hours the next, um, it doesn't matter as long as I'm at my page count by the end of the week. Um so in the past I tried, you know, for my features, I wrote one where I did like three pages a day kind of thing. Um, but eventually I just accepted my life doesn't have a regular routine. And so I will put an end goal and reach it however I can. (laughs) And if that means that it's in spurts, um, that's the way it's going to be. And I've also done where I have had time, um, like one of the pilots that i'm in development with with the mission um i wrote the first draft in one weekend like i just took two days and wrote it because that's what i had so i'm basically my routine is to work with whatever i have and as quickly as possible
0: damn the two-day pilot that's amazing yeah i feel like a lot any parents out there most parents are going to relate um it's it's tough you know juggling all those things i don't know if this is something that you would this is a new question that I'm bouncing around and I don't know how many people. And so if you don't want to say, you don't have to, but what's, uh, what's your day job?
1: I manage a team of instructional designers. And so that sounds like Chandler's like made up job. So to basically make it sound (laughs) uh, more normal, um, we basically do uh, internal corporate training. So all like corporate video, corporate content. um, Mm -hmm. And so I have, been doing this a very long time and what's great about it and awful about it is that it is it does require you to use that creative muscle Mm -hmm. so i am pretty drained by the end of the day it's it's not a a job where i can just kind of use the other side of my brain um what's good about it is you know we get to work with very similar equipment that you would in the film world and do a lot of of similar things so i can learn pre-production post-production etc um But there's the flip side to that is you're just very tired.
0: Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, though, I guess it's good, even though you maybe can't write after work, that you are kind of just flexing that muscle every single day. So maybe when you do have time to write your own shit, you know, you're you're strong. I don't know. Is that what you would even say? I don't know. But yeah, I have the same kind of thing. I'm a, I shoot uh, weddings. Uh, So I shoot video and edit video, which is like, It's filmy in a way, but it's definitely far, far removed from narrative. And also we're using like little Sony cameras that look nice, but they're kind of run and gun. You're not, you know, sitting there and setting up, you know, three point lighting and shit like that. You know, it's just get what you can. So it's like film, but it's also very much not like film. But I feel you on that. And before that, I was a surfer at a Golden Corral for many, many years. (laughs) So that's pretty far removed from uh, the industry.
1: Yeah. yeah. But it's funny you mentioned the wedding thing because so one of the other positives of working like in the corporate video world is we get to work with a lot of people who do BP work or wedding work on the weekends. And so mm-hmm. a lot of my crew um, and folks that I've worked with on my shorts are people I worked with at work. And mm-hmm. so I was like, hey, what do you do when you're not at work? Um, and and Shane, who was the VP for Ashes, um, does wedding videos um, on The weekends and corporate video during the week and so one of the things we talked about for filming ashes is i said shane i kind of want you to shoot this like you would a wedding like we're kind of observing some of these things from the background of of this relationship so it really worked out yeah
0: that is so interesting because i can see how some of those really beautiful shots that are really emphasizing the love between these people uh, yeah, it seems kind of wedding filmy now that I think about it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's always dope to go into a film knowing your crew already, like mm-hmm. knowing who they are as people and how to talk with them and just knowing that you're going to have a nice positive set. Uh, It's always a little scary yeah. meeting people for the first time and being like, yeah, come aboard and not knowing how they might be once you're on set. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. That That's that's really good to hear, though. I'm going to start asking everyone because I feel like a lot of people will want to know. I think it's interesting to know writers day jobs, because I think a frustrating mm-hmm. thing about screenwriting Twitter is like, I know I thought this sometimes was, you know, do the, do some of these people do they do this for a living and they don't have to yeah. have a day job? And it seems like they're always writing and creating so much. And I feel like a bum. Because I'm like trying to, like you, you know, fit writing in between all of the rest of life and responsibilities uh, to keep things moving forward. So yeah, I'm probably gonna start asking that to people, and also asking for ask, their home yeah. address and their social security <laughs> number. And no, I'm just playing
1: the credit score, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> credit get, score. Get the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get someone on who knows me like not at all, and I'm gonna ask them fucked up questions. But um, okay, cool. Um, I- Oh, go ahead. Yeah.
1: I, I think that's a really important uh, thing to call out. Cause I felt the same way, like, damn, these people are all just doing this and I'm here joining like 20 conference calls. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing too, is just, we just tweeting about you, the other parts of your life. So uh, that's part of why I just, whenever I'm dealing with shitty things at work or wherever I'm like, Yeah, I'm going to post this depressing, anxious tweet because everyone else, you know, if everyone makes it seem like it's all perfect all the time, um, that's, that's pretty awful.
0: Yeah, me and Guy Crawford talked about that a little bit, that sometimes, like, I just did it with Coverfly Pitch Week. I got selected, but I didn't get any meetings. And uh, so I was literally looking at that email like, ah, that sucks. But it wasn't that bad because I've been on a pretty good run lately. So I was like, "Eh, whatever, that's fine. But I was like, I should post this just like sometimes I'll think about it when I get a rejection email because it doesn't really bother me to be open about that. Um, Like most of us, I'm not saying I'm fucking special. (laughs) You know, most of us get rejected all the time, but sometimes I'll post it. I'll be like, I should post this just to remind everyone that we're all taking L's out here too you know it's because a lot of times we only post you know our wins and uh it can feel a little toxic sometimes uh not again like I said in the Guy Crawford episode I'm not telling people not to celebrate your wins celebrate all your wins but uh but it's okay to throw some losses out there too just to remind everyone you know that we're taking L's too um
1: yep left and right (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. All the time. Uh, Okay, so you kind of talked about your routine uh, and you touched on this a little bit. But what's your process like when you have a brand new idea? Do you immediately jump into an outline if you're like me and I am finding no one is like me? The first thing I try to do is write the log line. And if I can get like a succinct log line, you do that. Oh, dude, you're like one of the only people.
1: I do that because part of my process is to figure out that log line and then go tell my kids. And if my kids roll their eyes or keep moving or just don't give a fuck, I'm like, damn, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't made this sound good enough yet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I usually work out my log line and just kind of figure out a very short pitch in my head for how I would describe this to someone else. And I put it on my head my kids and my husband <laughs> yeah. um and but by the time that happens I do live with my characters and and kind of things for a long time in my head before I start putting things on paper mm-hmm. um and it just depends on my process is very also very different it just depends on the story I have I have stories that um I have like a historical fiction limited series I want to do that's been in my brain for years. Um, and it just takes a ton of research and figuring out how to make this work. And I have like a dramedy that I, you know, the one that I wrote in a couple of days because I just like knew where I wanted it to go. I also don't, um, do detailed outlines. Mm -hmm. Usually my outline, um, is, so I do the log line and then I do a very high level bullet point outline. That's just my act breaks. And a few tentpole moments that I know I want to see, and they don't make sense. It's kind of like notes from high school. They don't make sense to anybody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's like church van, and I know that's like a four-page sequence, and I know everything that's going to happen in that scene. But I just need to remind, my, like, a keyword to remind myself that that's a scene I'm going to write in, you know, Act Three or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So that's my process. Is really twisted and I'm sure I'll have to, um, follow more of like my corporate process when, and if I do get into a room, because I know outlines are very serious business, but while I write for myself, um, are a a disaster of jumbled text.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. Um, I'm, I'm similar in the way that I had to learn that I don't do well doing super detailed outlines Um, because the longer I write, the more I know the characters, the more I know the tone of the story. And yeah, I found that, uh, early on, you know, I wrote with no outline and I wrote some scripts that, you know, with a lot of rewriting have become like my, my biggest samples. And then after that, I was like, okay, it's time to be a professional writer. Now I need to outline everything up front. And those screenplays ended up being a little weaker and I think it's because I was trying mm. to come up with everything instead of like existing in the moment while writing. Yeah. So yeah, now I found that I'm kind of similar that I'll write the biggest moments the where the story really turns or something. But then I just dive into pages and I find myself organically being like, oh, and then this would happen next. And then this would happen yeah. next. And you're just, I like to think of it as I'm watching the movie in my head or I'm watching the show in my head and what would I want to happen next? You know, kind of yeah. thing,
1: but Well, and for me too, it's kind of like, if if I'm not writing an outline for someone else and I already know what I want to happen, why would I add an extra step? Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm writing, I'm telling myself a story I already know I'm going to write. So yeah. I think it just depends on what's the purpose of of your outline or your process. And not trying to, at first I used to try to write like, like other people, like what you read in books or, or hear sometimes like, Oh, this is, this is the process. And I remember I did a treatment once and I finished this and I never want to write this thing. I feel like I already wrote the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, yeah. yeah,
1: So um, yeah, just figuring out what works for you. And then when someone pays you and wants to do what works for them, then do that.
0: Yep. And that's exactly it. You know, with uh, doing wedding films, I work for a company. I don't just have my own company. And, uh, there's there's been certain things in the edits that, you know, they give me notes and I'm like, oh, I don't like that that much, but I have to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't really care because it's their problem at that point. <laughs> but, um you know, it always it's always fine. Shout out to my bosses. I'm not saying the company name because I'm afraid.
2: The Social Screenwriters Podcast is sponsored by BraveMaker, a 501c3 nonprofit film organization dedicated to supporting filmmakers and elevating brave voices for justice, diversity, and inclusion. With screenwriting workshops, weekly live shows on YouTube, and a full production team, BraveMaker is a growing creative studio, production company, and creative community, both in person and online. Do you have a finished film looking for a film festival screening? Submit your film at bravemaker.com fest, and you could be screening your show short or feature in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area at our annual festival in person July 7th through 10th, 2022 in Redwood City, California. Do you need fiscal sponsorship to raise tax deductible funds to get your film into production? Go to bravemaker.com and apply to have your project considered and get ongoing support to help makers of all kinds achieve their filmmaking goals. Brave stories change the world and you are the story. Find out more at bravemaker.com and follow us on Instagram and YouTube at bravemaker.org on
0: average edith how long does it take for you to get a first draft done i know you said two days that's your average right always two no. days
1: <laughs> that was an anomaly. you know what i should have never shared that because if somebody asked me to write something that fast again i probably could never do it
0: yeah. um so- <laughs> they'll be like at the 22 minute mark of the social screenwriters yeah. podcast you said you could do it anyway guys. you said
1: you could do it um <laughs> It really depends. So for, um, when, when I've written in like our writers groups, active cycles, which I guess is the best example of a a typical piece, we would Mm -hmm. submit 10 to 15 pages a week Mm -hmm. and all of us had day jobs. And so that was pretty, pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I think that's, you know, the three page a day, a few dozen pages a week is an average pace for me being able to, balance that with the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but if I have unlimited time, then I could spend a whole day writing. Um, I yeah. just don't get that very often.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love three pages a day. It's like my favorite. Um, yeah. there was a while I wrote a feature once doing 10 pages a day and I did it, but, um, God, it was brutal. And also I don't have kids. I have the luxury of being able to, you know, write all day on certain days, you know, if I don't have a job going on or whatever, but um, it was fucking brutal. And I never want to do it again because it's just, I feel like it's, it's just asking too much. Uh, Now, if that's your thing and you're good, also I'm a person. um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this with your process, but I'm someone who is maybe like to a fault, a little bit too meticulous with my first draft of wanting it to really be locked in like as far as just the beats and things like that. Like, so a lot of times, um, my, you know, my rewrites, my second, third, fourth drafts, it's not usually like huge sweeping changes. It's kind of just like, Oh, well this little bit doesn't make sense. Or like the dialogue could definitely be punchier here or whatever, but usually my story is pretty locked. Well, my plot is pretty locked in, uh, Uh, and again, to a fault, maybe I'm just really a perfectionist about getting things in order before I'm done with the first draft. How are you on that with like, are you someone who's like, I just throw it on the page knowing that I'm going to go back and tear it to pieces later? Cause there's a lot of writers like that.
1: Yeah. I, um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I, Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to figure out if I'm lying. I'm trying to think back. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Um, I think so. A lot of my rewrites end up being things that I discovered later in the script, layering them in, um, in those first acts. So if I figured out, you know, um, I I think a lot of what makes my rewrite stronger is making it seem like I planned things all along that I actually discovered in writing the first draft and then going back and making it all seem like foreshadowing. And I totally, you know, planted this joke earlier, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a lot of where I spend my my rewrite time is making it all seem like it was this very well thought out machine where everything ties together. When in fact, I like discovered that scene in act three and then went back and like put it, put something about it in act One so that it makes sense. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Then if I'm not going to lie, I do that a lot too. So, um, (laughs) I I feel like that's a pretty, and then people come at you with like, oh man, that was such a genius setup. And I'm like, oh, that's actually like some, something that like, I only found way later in the process of like, oh, I should make that make sense because it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. right now. So whenever you do complete a first draft, What's the first thing you do with it? Do you send it to certain people? Do you read it out loud to your kids? The entire thing. Uh, just kidding. Do you uh, do another revision on your own? That's what I usually do before I show people. Do you put it away for a while? A week or two? Um, use a feedback service? Throw it in a contest? What do you usually do whenever you finish that first draft? So it's,
1: it's changed over the past few years. So I guess I'll share kind of what I used to do and what I do now. Um, just because maybe people listening are at different stages. So before I had like a writer's group or a trusted group of peers, um, I would do a rewrite on my own and then submit it. Um, whether it was we screenplay or whatever else and get coverage. Um, partly because my imposter syndrome had convinced me that anyone that knew me would give me too nice feedback and i wanted a stranger to like rip it apart <laughs> yeah. um and so yeah. i know a lot of people are opposed to that um you know paying for coverage or whatever do you it yeah. doesn't matter yeah. but I- i've had the, i had the funds yeah i've had the yeah. funds and i wanted to get it get anonymous feedback and that's what i used to do um now so the thing that hasn't changed is i print it out and i do a rewrite on my own like the Old school red pen, reading through it and seeing, because half the time at first pass is me realizing that I left a bunch of shit in my head. Like, mm-hmm. oh, um, I totally didn't put that on the page, but I know what's supposed to happen here. So I do that red pen pass. Um, that's pretty quick, and then I get feedback. Um, right now, it's from like my writers group, um, and so what I'm learning now is my managers are very much. Um, they're like, oh, just send us, you know, what you got as soon as it's ready. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want you to see it yet. Um, so I'm now learning when to send it to them um mm-hmm. when I'm doing a rewrite. But that process has been really good because we'll jump on the phone and just kind of talk through things. Um and so I think the writers group is probably still kind of the first eyes on it. Sometimes yeah. we're you know, it's not your turn depending on how you run your writers group. So mm-hmm. I might send it to one or two people on the side. Um, if I need a quick turnaround, but yeah, that's, and then, um, Josie Melendez, who's on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. has a proof proofreading service. So if I am sending a, a draft to like a very serious place, um, I will hit up Josie and be like, Hey, can we do a proofreading round? Um, cause I'm sure there's some typos in there, but yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, okay. So Edith, here's what I want to know next. What are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that kind of help keep you sane? I mean between screenwriting, work, and family, I don't even know what your hobbies would be because that's so much of your day but <laughs> um uh what are your hobbies that uh you like to do when you're not writing
1: well it, what's funny is this is a topic I've discussed with my therapist <laughs> because,
0: ah.
1: um. Because I I think one of the weird things is that, you know, in the beginning, screenwriting felt like the hobby, right? Uh Because I was, you know, I still am, but working full time and doing all these things. And so it felt like this is the one thing that I can do for me. Um, And as it starts to have real deadlines and feel more like work, um, it's kind of like, wait, what am I... (laughs) what do I do with the little bit of free time I can still find? And so I've been exploring some of that as we kind of are in this pandemic world. And so one of the things I've started to get back to is photography, which I used to love. And I started doing in the very brief time that I attended college because I never finished. Um, So Uh I've started to dive back into that. um, And then I, one thing I can't do that I love to do is just travel. Um, and so I did my first trip back home to Puerto Rico um, since the pandemic started over the holidays. And that was really nice to just be outside and be home again and in and nature. And so I think with this pandemic, it's kind of brought this new perspective of, okay, you know, my days were completely filled with these things. Um, and as things have slowed down, what, what, how can I be more intentional about how I fill my time? And a lot of times, you know, as a parent, your, your hobbies are your kids' hobbies. Like I'm driving a kid to horse riding class or whatever it might be. Um, so there's not a lot of time to play with. Um, but it's, you know, as my kids get older and those time windows start to open up again, it's, it's something I'm figuring out of, okay. Um, the things I used to look at hobby as, as hobbies. Really aren't that anymore so how what what do I want to do with this free time so I don't know Is the very short answer I'm figuring it out again
0: yeah I mean aren't we all figuring it out all the time uh, I'm glad that uh, we brought up something that you're discussing in therapy because I really just want to dig into the psyche of all my guests um, I might start <laughs> crossing lines with people uh, asking about you know what happened in your childhood that you know and no, i'm just kidding i'm not gonna go that far <laughs> but anyway uh so uh but yeah that's that's cool and you know i think that again uh a lot of parents out there are really gonna relate to everything you're saying because i i i, I don't know personally but i can only imagine that um yeah you know it's just your your days are so filled up and you're also it's I commend you so much for chasing this crazy dream while you're already balancing this life because I'm a wimp. Like I don't have kids and I cry myself to sleep every night because chasing this dream is so hard while having a day job. And it's like, I'm not doing nearly as much as my friends who have kids. So uh, yeah. Anyway, you have my respect. The for
1: the up, the upside I will <clears throat> say is, you know, I get to hear all the high school drama from my Gen Z-er. Um, yes. I get to hear all the elementary school drama. I get to interact with really strange school moms that are outside or would be outside of my social circles. So there's a lot of story mm-hmm. inspiration um, in being a parent and things that you get to mine. Um, the other thing I've just done is I I include my kids as much as I can, you know, in the shorts, like I took my oldest location scouting and they feel a part of it as well. So I don't, I don't want it to feel like this separate thing that moms trying to be you know, outside of my role as a mom, it's just this thing that we intertwine together with everything else.
0: Oh, that is super cool. I really love that. And I hope that your kids are gonna have the filmmaking bug one day, even though it's a terrible oh curse to have. Yeah. That would <laughs> yeah. uh, it would still be kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine though the uh the story fodder that comes from that and just all the experiences of being a parent, like. I do want to do the whole married with kids thing someday. And there's a selfish part of me. That's like, well, I got to do it so I can make the marriage movie or make the, the parent movie <laughs> because I'm going to run out of experiences here soon. So I got to get some more shit going and like, yeah, so I'm going to get married and have kids totally for myself out of completely selfish reasons. Uh, just, there just kid, just kidding. Future wife and kids. <laughs> um,
1: well, right. I'll tell you, my um, my my husband gets very offended when he wakes up and like he's like, I had this really interesting dream that you should write into a movie. All you got to do is write it. And I'm like, you know how offensive that is. All you got to do is just write it and I'll like tear apart his dreams and tell them why the story structure wouldn't work. Because...
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs>
1: I'm like, this is this is not a story. This is not right. a plot, sir. Your your dream doesn't work. <laughs> this is
0: just a weird thing that you saw while you were unconscious. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it's funny whenever, um, I mean, we all get it, but I, I'm, I'm assuming that your husband isn't a writer himself.
1: He is not. He is a mechanical engineer who uses the total opposite side of his brain. Um, Got it. So, op-
0: opposites yep. attract. Got it. Um, yep. Yeah, but anyway, non-writers telling you their story ideas, it's always kind of hilarious because like, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a story, but not, you know, it's just funny. But um, I will say
1: he yeah. he did have one good one recently and I paused and looked at him, we were in the car and I said, "That's actually kind of interesting." And the the pride he was beaming because, you know, we've been together we've been married it's going to be 16 years and i think it's the first time that i was like i I think i might use that he did not let that go the whole
0: day that is hilarious have you used it yet
1: i have not was this Uh, really recent yeah it was really recent uh it was probably like a month ago yeah oh
0: okay cool so it's on the back burner yep Nice, nice. Okay, so Edith, um of the scripts that you've written, which is your favorite and why?
1: Oh man. Um Okay. Uh this is really hard because I want to say two, but I will I will follow the rules. Um I am a rule follower. Okay. Um, well, you
0: can say two because uh, I think the people want to know about your scripts and why you're passionate about them. So you can say two.
1: <laughs> um Southside Girls is a feature that I wrote um that I would have to say is is one of my absolute favorites because I just it it was the first time that I wrote something I was scared to write Mm -hmm. um I'd written something before that that was very plot heavy and one of the pieces of feedback I got was to be more vulnerable and really spend time on character and so I went on full, like, oh, you want character? You want vulnerability? I'll (laughs) give you some. Um, And so I just wrote this very raw, like super like trauma mining uh, coming of age feature. And so it was the first time that I really put myself on the page and fictionalized some things. And so once I I wrote that script, things felt less scary because I felt like that was the one story that I knew I would have to write at some point. And mm-hmm. the one I was the most scared of. And so I feel like that opened me up to be able to to write more things, but also just not feel scared of the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gotten me, that one's probably the one that's gotten like the most contest placements and and has gotten me the furthest kind of career-wise in terms of interests and producers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um but the flip side of that is I, I have a dramedy script called Youth that's about an atheist youth pastor. <laughs> um, uh. And people, that's the script that's the most fun I think I've written. And people usually will text me or DM me before they finish it and say something like, oh, this is so funny. or "Oh, I'm... And so it's the first time that I've had the experience of people reacting to one of my scripts in real time and being excited about it or laughing about it or having big reactions. And so that's my favorite, that's my favorite to send out that I know will make the reader have like a good time. So that's my two part answer.
0: No, that's awesome. And I think it's important for writers out there to hear this, that it's not some newfound knowledge. I'm sure a lot of people know it, but like, it's funny that when you open yourself up, even though it is scary and you really put yourself out there in a script, that's usually the one that takes you far. Um, I've noticed, I've noticed that too in my writing as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in the business of vulnerability, you know, the same way that actors are. And I mean, anyone in the arts, you know, we're in the business of saying the shit that a lot of people want to say, but they, uh, feel uncomfortable saying because it is so vulnerable. Uh, That's rad. I think that's cool. And yeah, getting feedback mid-read is always a good sign.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I I just like (laughs) knowing what people are thinking. And so when that happens, I'm like, oh, someone's having fun reading this. They're not dreading the next page. That's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do you ever get people giving you notes that are like annotated on a PDF, like as they go? They're leaving. That's my favorite way to get notes. I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. Maria, I actually.
1: Um, who's... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. As I say, Maria um, Mayaya, who, if you don't follow on Twitter, everyone should, because she's an amazing director, but and one of mm-hmm. my favorite people. Um, mm-hmm. But she gives notes that way, and I absolutely love it because I feel like I'm hanging out with her while I'm reading her notes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I actually need to learn how to do it. Um, I've gotten notes like that so many times that I need to go into Adobe and figure out how to do it. I'm sure it's not hard at all, but usually I've been a person who types my thoughts with page numbers in a Word doc and then export it as a PDF and send them that as an attachment. And that's not as fun.
1: <laughs> I, you know? I do that too, just because I usually have my notes app open and then I <laughs> bring it up. And do my little notes. Um, But since I I think, Andy, since we love receiving them this way, we should also start providing them this way. It's only fair.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, for once, I'm going to care about someone other than myself. (laughs) And I'm going to go ahead and learn how to do it, I think. No, I'm just kidding. I'm probably really coming off as selfish to everyone listening, but these are jokes, guys. These are just fun jokes. Um so Edith, what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? Could be screenwriting related, could just be life related. Uh what's something that made you feel good about yourself?
1: Ooh. Um I don't know if this counts as an accomplishment, but I'm going to make it so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I think making the move to LA um was a really big thing that we did that was also very scary.
0: That's a huge Um, accomplishment.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it is, I don't want to get too like existential, but, um, you know, some, at least for me, like pursuing a creative career or anything like that was just not something that even seemed like possibility when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the bar that was set for me was get a desk job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was the first, the, the first in my, in my family to do so. And so I did get that desk job and I worked my way up the corporate ladder and got to the place where you're supposed to be grateful and thankful and not want anything else. Yeah. Um, and then I think admitting to yourself that, that that's not enough and that feeling grateful is, is not enough of a, of a thing to to attain, um, and then taking the steps to do that, um, is a really big thing. And so I think as much as I like to celebrate like the small wins and the big wins, um, the decision points and, and taking the risk itself is also a thing that we should celebrate because it's scary to go after what you want, especially when it takes, you know, like real life decision-making that can be scary. So I think that's, that's my big one recently
0: yeah no that's huge it's just what it is I mean for me I didn't even know that I would ever get into filmmaking or writing until like 2015 or 16 when I first had like the idea and it was really because I I was a high school dropout at 16 and I didn't even get a GED until 25 and then like I went to community college And I took an English 101 class and wrote like some like bland essay about some bland topic. But my professor was like, hey, this is pretty good. You're a pretty good writer. And in that moment, I was like, oh, shit, when I was a kid, that's all I was ever told. I was like kind of good at in school. I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at science. But I was usually an okay writer. And back then I would be like, I don't even read books. Like I was like a little skater TV (laughs) kid. And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be a writer. And I had like, to the point where like one of my English teachers took me in the hallway and was like, I really think that, you know, you, you might be good at this blah, blah, blah. Long story short though. Um, that was kind of where I was like, okay maybe i'll go after this and then it turned into okay screenwriting is really what i want to do because i have always liked movies so for me it was like 26 27 years old unlocking this thing that i never would have thought i would get into like i was in my early 20s trying to just find like a good union warehouse job to you know be able to buy a home and you know have a family yeah. and all those things that uh, all the norms And uh, yeah, I just think it's rad because I know I'm not the only one. Obviously, you're not the only one uh, who figures out later in life, like, okay, maybe this dream is worth chasing because we only live once, you know, so why why not go after it? But um, yeah, I just I think that uh, that answer was awesome. And a lot of people are going to relate to that. Yeah, it's
1: you know, I think. I kind of joke that I'm like a millennial living in reverse. Cause I did all the, <laughs> I did, you know, the house, the kids, the husband first, and then I'm working my way backwards into what people figure out in their twenties. And I will say it's hard to, um, you know, I'm about to turn 36 and uh, oh. I think a lot of my screenwriting community friends, um, are much younger. And uh. so, um, I have to mm-hmm. remind myself that that i am kind of going at this backwards because sometimes it, you can very quickly feel like you're behind um but luckily um we are working the page and not you know in front of the camera or, or doing a sport or something that uh requires that has an age limitation kind of thing
0: sure yeah exactly i feel the same way i talked about that with kara kara rothenberg on uh, her episode shout out kara um yeah, I'm I'm 33 going on 34, so pretty close. And uh, but also, I remind myself that, like, you know, while we're still just getting started, like a lot of you know creatives, writers, um, uh, comedians are like this, uh, actors uh, to some extent. Um, the 30s is when people thrive. So, like, I've had to convince myself, like, hey, dude, just chill out. You're doing completely fine. Uh, You found this late for sure, like later than kids who are, you know, 20, 21 in film school. I went to film school. So all my peers were like 20 and 21 when I was like 30, 31. So uh, that was weird, but it was cool. They all treated (laughs) me with respect. They were fine. They weren't too mean to me anyway. uh, Yeah. You know, you just if you, if you want something, go get it. It really doesn't matter how old you are, who you are, where you're at. I know that, you know, that's a vague way of speaking because everyone has different resources available to them, but I would just encourage anyone to chase a dream.
1: Um, Yeah. And just, you know, it, it doesn't have to look one way at the beginning. You know, if we were having this conversation three, four years ago, I probably wouldn't have even imagine making this move. Um, At that time, I was really focused on just learning the craft and and getting started and making short films where I was and working with our local film crews. Um, And so every stage can look a little bit different and that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, anyone who just said, I'm going to be a filmmaker, I got to move to LA today, I would probably encourage them to try to get their craft into a certain place before you just make that move or it's going to be a little more difficult unless you're rich then go for it but um yeah
1: and i think you know things you know i i got very lucky that i could keep my job and work remotely yeah um and so i i don't want to be you know ignorant of of the reality of just the finances and, and possibilities of what you can do so you have to be smart about it and make sure you're taken care of for you make those big decisions. But like I said, in the meantime, you know, when I was in Dallas, I joined the Dallas film Alliance and worked with our local crews and got involved. So you just have to work with what you got where you are until you can do something else.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, With filmmaking too, you know, write a, write a script that won't cost you much at all. Um, No matter where you are in this journey, uh, yeah. Work with what you got. Uh, okay, so Edith, what are a few words of advice? Even though you just dropped some advice the entire episode. Oh
1: no, I have no, I have none left, Andy. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> just
0: give me a little bit, okay? That's all I need. Just something to work with. Uh, what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those just getting started?
1: Um. So I think there's you're going to be flooded with advice, both of people's processes, um, what's hot in terms of what, what's selling, what's not, et cetera. And one question that I ask myself before I write something is, if I had the XYZ budget, million dollars, whatever it might be to make this project, if I was the investor, if I was the buyer, is this what I would invest in? And if, you, if the answer is no, maybe that's not the idea. <laughs> that you want to write yet yeah. um, because if you're not fully sold and if, if you have the funds and you wouldn't put them into your own work, then you're not going to be able to sell anyone else on it. So I think whatever that question is for you, just have a guiding principle question, something that's your gut check um, so that you're not swayed by everyone else's opinions as you decide the story you want to tell.
0: Yes, I but- love that so much um and again it kind of goes back to working with what you got you know yeah at every level uh okay so edith we have reached the end and i want to know do you have any projects that you want to plug uh, how can people see ashes what do you got going on right now
1: yeah so um if you go to my twitter or my website um you there's a vimeo link that you can watch ashes which is the short film that we shot in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a little five minute short, um, that we're, I'm very proud of. Um, and I don't know if I can share what exactly I'm working on next, but, um, I have a pilot that we're going out with that the mission has attached to produce. Um, so I'm super excited about that. And I think, um, my, my immediate goal, though, with, with being here, and this is my first time kind of being in quote unquote staffing season while in L.A., mm-hmm. um, is I, I really want to staff and be in a room and learn that process. And so if anyone wants, that's listening wants to read a sample, um, please feel free to reach out to me or my reps. And I think that's what I'm going to plug, because um, that is, that's my, my 2022 vision board top item.
0: Hell yeah, I love it. So Edith, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a fantastic episode. I think people are going to get a lot out of this, especially uh, parents who are chasing this dream, because that's like a whole nother, that's a whole nother, uh, I don't know, like, it's just, it's definitely a different thing than uh, people who aren't trying to juggle families with full-time jobs and chasing a dream. So, yeah, I think it's going to help a lot of people out there if nothing else just feel seen. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I super appreciate you coming on and, uh, I look forward to reading more of your funny tweets and seeing you blow up and getting on some big show and, uh, writing and directing an Oscar winning feature or whatever it is. I look forward to it.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I didn't let my anxious nature uh keep me out of keep me out of joining you for this time.
0: Yeah, so no, you, you killed it. Like you straight up killed it. <laughs> so there was nothing to worry about. Uh yeah, thank you. All right, y'all. That was a great episode, huh? I think that Edith is just a powerhouse. Uh she's cool, she's humble. She works her ass off, and she's obviously talented. She's getting the attention of a lot of people right now. Her short film rules. She's funny. Uh, She's got a lot going for her right now, so we love to see it. Go follow Edith at Edith D Rod. Go to her website, EdithDRodriguez.com, and check out her short film, Ashes. Um, I think she even mentioned in the episode, if you want to read a spec of hers or a script, you can. Um, You know, just... She said, hit her up, I think, or hit up her reps, either one. Uh, I can't guarantee that that's going to work out. I don't, it's weird when people get reps. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's it for today, guys. Um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Social Writer Pod. If you want to donate to the show, I really, really appreciate it. It helps me out a lot because it is a little bit of work to record and uh edit these things and run the social media and stuff so any amounts is appreciated uh thank you so much to those who have donated i can't tell you how much i appreciate that it's been so nice um yeah that's it guys for this round of the social screenwriters podcast episode six is in the books um, you guys take care have a good week and I don't know who the next guest is going to be I don't know when it's going to come out but I would guess like two weeks Um, I, I never know what I'm doing okay and I'm going to end on that just like be nice to me I don't know bye guys the social screen podcast